All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Moscow Mules and Knopslides. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle. Hello, Kyle, one of my hosts. I am David, one of the other hosts. And our special guest of the week is Kevin. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Good, how are you all? It's glad to have another uh, local Pittsburgher on the line. Like On the school. line. On the line. I figured, you know, we kick it back to like, the, you know, DSL days. DSL. <laughs> I was thinking like FM radio, like someone actually called in. Maybe we could take phone calls. Yeah, someday. Kevin calling in. Hey, Kevin, how you doing today? Call on the line. Uh, yeah, line four. Um, I'm not going to give everybody the rundown. This is our 34th episode that'll be out. If you have never listened to us before, you should go back and listen to the last 33. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, as we always do, we kick it over to the guest of the week. Kevin, what are you sipping on this fine, fine evening? So probably not as exciting as, as you guys. I, I don't drink a ton, uh, but I do drink a ton of coffee. So I am drinking some Bones Coffee Company Jamaican Me Crazy blend. So you're drinking caffeine after like 2 p.m. and you're going to still be able to go to sleep. Uh, I notoriously could have a cup of coffee at the bed at the bedside table and uh, drift off to sleep just fine. I I, um, I always say that my equilibrium of caffeine is here and it only goes down. It doesn't ever go back up past the equilibrium. It's just got to get get back up to where it should be. So yeah, no caffeine does not affect me other than negatively. <laughs> you said your coffee is made out of ground bones. Is that right? Ground bones. Yeah. Only the finest ground bones. No, there's a, uh, um, so I drink, I drink my coffee black and, uh, there is a, a coffee company called bones coffee company. They're out of Florida. And uh, if you, if you like flavored coffee, they are the notorious flavored coffee company. They have flavors, everything from like fruity pebbles. I think it's called fruity lightning or lightning unicorn lightning or something like that to, um, uh, all kinds of good stuff. This is this one specifically is Jamaican me crazy. My favorite is probably macadamia nut, uh, but they have they have some really really good flavored coffee. So how do you do? You, how do you get a hold of that? Do you just you know direct from the website? Do you have like a supplier in the area? Are they are they in local retail in Pittsburgh? Uh, so um, someone it was probably a targeted Facebook ad that that, that tipped me off to it. <laughs> yeah. To, to be frank, because. That's all Facebook is good for anymore. Like they know me better than I know myself, un- unfortunately. So I have like 10 friends, they're all family. And then I just buy shit off of it. But uh, <laughs> yep. yeah, was so it, I, I, sorry. I'm sorry. Was it one of those days where you're just like talking with somebody in the office and you're like, oh man, I really wish I, wish I had some, I don't know, jelly donut flavored coffee. And then like an hour later, boom. Hey, Mad. I heard you wanted some jelly flavored coffee. <laughs> I, I hope you, you went on their website because that, jelly flavored coffee is is one of their yeah their, uh, is it? <laughs> i'm scrolling through the list here and this actually looks like i hope uh, between analogous now, to craft beer like the craft beer flavors that you get nowadays i'm gonna have to check this out pretty cool. i love coffee but i hope that later on and i will take a screenshot and send it and i'm gonna include it in the show notes that i will get a targeted ad probably on instagram because that's where i spend most of my time for bones coffee I will not search for it. I will not even do I've it anywhere. Never heard of Bones Coffee in my life. How many times can we uh, plug Bones Coffee? And you can find that at BonesCoffee.com, by the way. I did. Uh, the, I do the like listeners won't be able to hear to it. But... Look at that. Oh, that's a cool right. sticker. That's a pretty cool sticker. I'm going to have to get some of this. Like, some of those flavors look really good. They have one called Bourbon Barrel Aged. 
and uh i like bourbon and i like things in bourbon barrels so i might i might try this that's interesting that's a good plug because i drink speedier and earls and because it had a good flavored coffee out of vermont and I, that's when i started actually realizing what type of beans i like that i don't like certain region of beans like french roast is like if it's a french roast i tend to like it better like it tastes it's all more bolder and not it doesn't taste watered down as much as like a south american bean or like an indian bean or something like that i actually we went through like a whole i bought one of like every bag i'm like let's taste test this is crazy how many do they have on there i'm looking so i'm just gonna read some off strawberry cheesecake peanut butter and jelly cream and coffee liqueur when i was kevin do they actually taste like it do you like taste you're like that actually tastes like it they're uh more often than not, yes. So I would say it's probably seventy-five percent efficacy rate of of tasting just like it, just like it sounds. What? Um, there are a couple of them were like, eh, you know, I think um, red velvet was one that I just it just just didn't do anything for me. But uh, mostly they are spot on. Like the fruity pebbles one sounds bananas, which is another one. I think there's there's a banana flavor. <laughs> there is coffee. a bananas flavor, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the fruity pebble one sounds crazy. It tastes just like fruity cereal. Yeah. I mean it's it is it is spot on and, and most of them are. Um but uh yeah they, it 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 is really really good coffee. I don't know Kyle have you ever been to Nicholas Coffee in Market Square? I have not. I have not. Nicholas, you guys keep talking. I forgot my beer and my glass uh, because I was trying to get everything. But keep talking. I'll oh, keep... I got this. Don't worry. Yeah, we're good. Nicholas Coffee in Market Square, Pittsburgh, is is actually funny. It is it is caught on fire multiple times in its oh, hundred yeah, plus yeah, years. Yeah. <laughs> and they have some some amazing flavors as well. But uh, I I, uh, I don't go downtown enough to 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 stock up, and and Bones will just ship it right to your door. Well, so yeah, you yeah. Not anymore. No one's going anywhere. Still, <laughs> almost a year later. No, that's Get cool. So, are are these ground? Like, do they give you? Are are these already like pre ground? Because I don't think I have a coffee grinder in my house. I just buy the pre made like scoopable stuff, and I don't like to do work. And they sell it either way. You can either buy it buy it whole bean or ground. Do you have like a referral link? Like, are you like one of their top <laughs> East Coast customers at this point? <laughs> I may be top top customer. Uh, I do not have a an ambassadors or a referral link that I could I could I could plug here. But it's, see, they uh, have a club. Yeah, if you yeah you can, it's, it's everything subscription based nowadays. You can get like fifteen percent off if you subscribe monthly, and that's you can either do like one bag or as many bags as you want. But we usually go through two pots a day. I, I unfortunately oh, yeah. I I'm I'm a pot and a half of that. My wife is the, is the other half yeah but, uh, i'm with you we'll, we'll do like the 16 cup pot here and i'll basically kill it and my wife will go over and go to dump some out and she's like there's nothing left how much did you drink I'm like i don't know this it's what i used to do at work like i just would walk over to the k-cup thing or the uh wait, what where were those the packets whatever the packets are the mars machine what the hell is that thing called not the keurig it's flavia it's like a flavia machine and you just like it's just unlimited flavia and you're just like oh i'm thirsty i need more coffee and you just keep going through it and now at home still no one's providing me flavia so that's wild you guys drink that much i try to drink i'm one of those ones i got dina even got me one of the um what's it called a cup that stays warm like ember ember yes thank you i don't even even sign up for the app i just let it like because i think it keeps it at 125 or 130 like without change in temperature so even with that keeping my coffee warm i'll just like milk a cup 
I switched to like, you know, almond creamer recently. Um, but I just can't like sometimes suck it down, but I need it because I know if I don't have it, I get that like tinge of like that hangover, like headache that comes in around like 10 o'clock. Uh-huh. I've never had a problem with drinking coffee fast enough to have my, my boss bought me an ember as a, as a gift, uh, Christmas gift last year. And, uh, I hope she's not listening. Cause I've never, I've never opened it. I've never had a problem keeping my, my coffee warm enough for me to drink because it just, I just inhale it. It's like, all right, time for another cup. That's awesome. What's So what is an ember? So now, now that I need to be in this game. Yeah. It's a cup <laughs> that keeps your coffee, like a temperature. You can connect it to an app and change the temperature. But I think without the app, it keeps it at like one thirty, which is a nice temperature. And it lasts, I don't know for you guys, it probably would last a whole pot of coffee. For me, it lasts like two cups of coffee. Cause I sit there and I'm, you know, I milk it because I don't know. I just, I don't know. Maybe I just need better coffee. Maybe that's the thing. We started out with like the, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts. And I love Dunkin' Donuts coffee, right? Like the K cups and then, you know, got months of the grounds. And then now we get whole beans and I grind up 10 cups every morning, that little, little thing, you know, so it's fresh as shit, but I just can't. <laughs> you're a black coffee drinker too aren't you dude uh i use a little bit of cream that's about it i used to be black black drinking in college and then uh dean is like a black coffee drinker maybe that's the key maybe i just need to go cold turkey no sugar i don't think you can put sugar in it man that kind of just ruins the whole original it's like putting the um steak sauce on on a nice piece of steak like you you don't do that yeah you don't cream, go to cream just kind of like sweet not sweetens it but yeah some people like a1 <laughs> i'm not hating <laughs> Hey, so what's that mug? Is that a NASA mug, by the way, you're using? It is NASA mug. Oh, yeah. I like NASA. I'm uh, pro NASA. I, I, did a, I did a little contract at NASA. Space Force. Space I, used Force. To, uh, I used to live in Titusville, Florida, which is right, right on the, uh, the, the Cape there. I went to Space Coast Middle School for a couple years. Did you go to space camp? I did not. I've not gone to space. Oh, camp, no. you! Oh man, that was like the big prize on Nickelodeon. You see kids like you could win. You could win a trip to space camp if you grab the aggro crag, whatever you conquer the crag. <laughs> so you guys, you, so I, you were right there, and you didn't get to go to space camp. So I think space camp is in Georgia. I think it's in or Alabama, Huntsville. Uh, oh, it's, that's it's, right. I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's in Huntsville. Yeah, sorry, got my got my states mixed up. Yeah, closer down there than we are. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. No, I didn't. Didn't didn't, didn't do that though. I went to Kennedy Space Center a lot. I okay. had fam- family who worked there. Um, you know, everyone, everyone in that town has has somebody who works. Uh, you know, uh, at the at the Cape. So, but uh, yeah, I've always always been a big a big NASA fan. Do they have a shuttle park there? Do they, they oh, park yeah. one there? Yeah, do, yeah. Have you seen that since it's it's been parked in the uh, hangar? Oh, I they they've always had one. There, you could walk walk into. I don't know if it was if it was a, a fake one or if it actually was a, a repurposed one, but they they've always had one there on site that you could you could go into and see. Awesome. It's got plexiglass up. But yeah, it's probably just a big big tourist trap thing that they have there. It's pro- <laughs> probably not real at all. But that's great. That's great. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, you you had to run to go get a beer, so I I kind of. I kind of want to see what was, you know. Well, it wasn't that exciting. It was just like, you, I usually come in, I make sure everything's connected up, and I go back out, I collect all my things, come in, you know. But today, I don't know what the hell I was doing. Uh, but you want me to go? I get to go yeah, first today. I'm just going to take it right there. So I went with an old school one, but Dina brought this back from Trogues uh, a few weeks ago. What? Um, but this is the Troganator barrel-aged. 
This is the uh, 2018. Let me see. Let me see the the uh, the bottle. Okay, that's okay. Cool. Yeah. So it's the uh, Trogues is over outside of Harrisburg, or just near Harrisburg. Hershey. Hershey. That's right. Same difference. Yeah. Nine nine percent, not oh, almost ten percent, but this is aged for well over two years, right? Um, it's gonna be a good one. And you know this glass, this glass you drank out of this, you posted this on the on the I think the gram whatever, but this is that crafter die glass, the uh, Cobra from GI Joe's. Yeah, that's so really cool. nice glass. I would say crafter die and and what's the other one? I mean, maybe conspiracy glass where it makes the most colorful and vibrant and doesn't look like it's ever going to fade and like quality glassware. Because uh, Craft or Die put out that shredder one that I still have. Mm-hmm. It's like that 16 ounce can glass. And that one's just like, this artwork is really well done. I don't know where these people get the copyrights for. I think they just wing it. So that's the other thing. Like, I, I don't think that a lot of them are, I mean, looking at what you can buy, there's a lot of like copy paste. Like I went to Google image search and I, you know, cut and paste, write you onto a glass. Like there's some guys out there that are actually like legit drawing artwork of like, what's that? Like Cobra commanders on that one. And, uh, Baroness is on there. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice piece of work. Like that guy spent some time on that. Did you, it, I, I think it's like at least 50 hours worth of artwork. I mean, there's no copyright. He sells that stuff like on the side. Yeah. yeah they don't play. I mean, I think a lot of them just wing it until someone comes knocking and says, Hey, I think that's also maybe why they, it's like one and dones. You like you'll, you won't get this but on secondary market on some Facebook group that you know David's told me about to watch for glasses. But you can't ever go back to their site. So I think I've, I mean we've seen a lot of them artists will like put them up. Like the one guy had like a bunch of what Mario eight bit yeah. glasses, and then all of a sudden they disappeared from his site, even though they were sold out. It just disappeared because I think someone said, "Hey, that looks too much like uh, Mario from Super Mario Brothers." <laughs> yeah but they'll, they'll call it like plumber or like angry plumber right or what like, is the one you drank last week what it was like or two weeks ago barrel bill yeah barrel is- bill not bullet bill right yeah and yeah, nintendo doesn't fuck around when it comes to copyright that's, oh no they're coming not- oh yeah <laughs> there, there was a recent you know to plug another podcast not that it needs plug but dark Knight diaries they talked about how they they went after like people trying to like mod Nintendo games like hardcore like they go like not like they don't treat like any type of that stuff lightly they go hard at those people. I mean Nike does the same thing for shoe people, right? They'll go hard for like you know the frauds out there. There's this one artist that I was getting his shoe looked just like the Nike Dunk and Nike came at him. And oh really? Yeah, you this can, is like do that? Last, last year he tried to make a shoe that looked just like the Nike. <laughs> Nike dunk and it looked just like it, but he put like he changed the check mark to look like something else, and the structure was the same. So and Nike came at him and sued him. How do you make your own shoe? Good is question. That, I is, that, is that a question for this podcast? I they, imagine you need some foam, some space age foam. Speaking of space, you would need that because that's <laughs> you know always in the infomercials. Space age foam. I have space sheets. Speaking of space. Space, the space sheets yeah that same stuff that uh astronauts use or something to cool them inside their things their sheets made out of them and I, i'll tell you what as someone who likes it's super hot it's amazing Kyle's think about like the, you know when you flip your pillow and it's cool i'm cooler than the other side of your pillow yeah right? it's that temperature all the time for some reason i never thought of staying warm 
or staying cool in space. Oh, dude, I'm right. <laughs> like, that doesn't, that doesn't, ever thought about that. I, don't know. I mean, I guess you gotta wear that suit. You probably sweat. I would sweat like, I would just be dripping a sweat if I had to be wearing a jumpsuit, right? Yeah. You talk about the uniform, not not like the space walk suit, right? I think like this, I don't know. I, I guess they like can't put fans questions. on the, the spacesuit, can they? You can't just like vent it, get sucked into space through your spacesuit. Right. That would suck. Basically be dead, I think. Did you guys know there's no sound in space, by the way? I learned a lot yeah. of stuff this week. Depends so, that, so none of the Star Wars movies make sense anymore. The pew, pew, pew. Yeah. <laughs> there's like like audible explosion. Like the Death Star, think of how loud that was in a movie theater. And it's like, no, that actually has no sound. It's just light. Just light. Or is it? I don't womp, know. Womp. Are we in a simulation? I don't know. I've never been, <laughs> yeah. I've never yeah. been to space. I don't know. I like rocks. But over to you. I, what are you drinking on? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So uh, I don't know. I ha- it's not like a panic pick or anything. I've had this one for a little bit. It's called the uh, the Lacto Cooler. Oh, yeah. Going with like the 80s theme, I, I guess, like staying it with Kyle. Uh, it's a green beer, which is kind of cool. So it's supposed to taste like an Ecto Cooler. If you had those and uh, see, I, th- I think we look about the same age. So if you were in uh, elementary school, middle school, maybe at about the time the, the ecto cooler was coming out. Uh, that's what this is supposed to taste like. So it's like a sour, fruity sugar beer. And uh, my glass is from a joint theory in Purcellville, 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 Virginia. And this one has a uh, Serpentor on it. Oh, shit. Yeah, this is part of a seven glass set. So I have seven of these to go through. Is that, is, the, Serpentor? is that in the Hope, the Obama Hope? Oh yeah, they're they're all in the yeah. I'm sorry, I should have described this since you know not everyone's watching. No one's watching. <laughs> no one's watching. So these glasses are all designed with like this this full wrap on them, but they're all like um, uh, a a cartoon like a drawing of the figure of the of the character, and then it's in the Obama Hope colors. So you'll see um, they did a series of IPAs, and they all were named after some sort of like I don't know like authoritarian thing. So one's like regime, one's rise, one's resist, one's, they're all start with R, but the whole series is really cool. The glasses are awesome. They're 16 ounces. They hold a bunch of beer. And uh, today they're going to hold some uh, Ecto Cooler. How's that taste? Lacto-cooler. I've seen that. I'm That's sorry. from Voodoo. It's pretty right? good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, it's a little sweet. It's it's sweeter than I, w- I would like it to be for a sour, but if it's supposed to be like a fruit juice beer, then it's it's pretty spot on. I would buy another four pack and then probably not buy it again for a while. This is from Voodoo Brewery, and I'm not. That's nothing against Voodoo Brewery in uh, in the area, but it's good beer. I uh, I enjoy it, but just I like to sample. I like some variety. And uh, green beer, man. Not for St. Patrick's Day. Oh, I should have had this on St. Patrick's Day. Now I messed up. Way to blow it. All right, I'll be back in two weeks. <laughs> some more green beer. More green. Kyle, beer. you mentioned Kyle. You mentioned Trogs. Are you a Mad Elf fan? So I. I do have Mad Elf. I actually, I like to say I have Mad Elf aging in my refrigerator now because I didn't buy it this year, but I've had it since 20, was it 2019? I don't know if it's good. I mean, I'm assuming it might be still be good. It'll be good. So I had a, uh, last night I had a wild elf from Trogues, uh, fermented, conditioned on cherries and honey. And I was like, this is spectacular. I should have had this tonight, but didn't know what it was going to be like, but. Anything like that Trump, those guys Trump puts out some good stuff. It's just anything hard to get that they do in a barrel is just. I have not had one crappy barrel beer from them ever. 
they're all just killer yeah they, i mean they are and they're all flavorful stuff even the mad elf even though it's like 12 percent, it's still tasty yeah man tasty you can make a a fruity pebbles beer someone did uh hitchhiker did that's right it, it didn't taste like fruity pebbles no so it's called, uh, it called like stone age or something you know we can't infringe on copyright so right. like, it was like stone it age was fruity cereal that's what yeah. they, they call it or something. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. I'm gonna drink this. I gotta Kevin, sip. why don't you tell us a little about your past? I, I I don't how did we meet? I don't even know. I think we met at like B sides, I think, right? Yeah, you know you know all these people already. I mean, I think that's how I meet a lot of them is this B sides. You know, be our like again, our community down here in Pittsburgh is pretty solid. Pretty solid. I do I do the uh the walk pick fun at uh at, right. at B sides Pittsburgh. And uh, no, so yeah, I, I got into to InfoSec kind of in a, I, I think everyone's origin story. They're like, yeah, I got into it in a different way. I think well, a lot of us this age, um, this wasn't really a field that, that they had in school and people weren't coming up uh, like they are today. So everyone has a kind of unique origin story if you're in your your thirties, uh, I'd say. But uh, no, I got into, into InfoSec. I was working for Verizon in the, the, Smartphone heyday um, back when when uh, Blackberries were were the were the jam. Hell yeah! And uh, um, this is pre Android, pre iPhone days. Um, working working the tech support at Verizon, and this is this is back if you remember when Windows phones half of them didn't have touch screens. Oh yeah! So I would get people who would call in from three letter agencies. They would had they had good mobile messaging, which I think is still in the in the realm today it's, it's it's an mdm now but uh good mobile messaging and uh they would they would call in to, to get their their govy phones set up and um i would have to talk them through over the phone with how to interface with a motorola q with they didn't have a touch screen oh like, those cues were i had a cue i love that phone <laughs> kyle's gonna like, be like oh, yeah, of hit. course you did because it's a windows phone yeah you're yeah, right yeah. I, I had a windows phone <laughs> that's right and i loved it <laughs> so you'd be like hit the soft button on the left once and then the d-pad oh, three times up and then yeah it was it was uh it was it was it was rough sledding so then um um while i was at verizon the the droids came out um verizon's brand and then uh right when i was leaving i think or maybe even after i had already left uh you know the iphone became ubiquitous outside of at&t but anyway while i was there i did a little bit of everything did did uh tech support i got into government relations and did like um arbitration and expert witness and that kind of stuff from a, from a technical uh side and uh, oh, which, which sounds a lot sounds a lot more fun than what it was it was more like can you come to court and <laughs> let us know how cell phones ping off of towers so that we can nail this poor police officer who lives four houses outside of the district because he's supposed to be living in the district. It's like, oh, come on. I don't want to be that guy. Like, but anyway, um, yeah, you know, cell phone providers often have to come and prove where you were. Yeah, the defense attorney's like, well, what's the what's the likelihood that by cell phone yep. triangulation that, that really is where you say they were you're like yep. yeah that's it that's it that's the truth so anyway was doing was doing that and a buddy i went to went to school with messages me and's like hey i work for this bank and you know a lot about mobile and we're building these mobile apps 
and we want to make sure these things are secure. You think you could come work security here, tear apart some mobile apps. Uh, I'll teach you. I'll teach you how to how to do Burp Suite and and Web Scarab was was the some of the rage back then, and Pharaoh's proxy. And you can you can teach us mobile, and we'll teach you hacking, and and we'll we'll do the thing. So I uh, worked for a couple of big banks in the Pittsburgh area, which uh, if you're in the Pittsburgh scene. A lot of a lot of people work for said banks. I was gonna say there's uh, literally several <laughs> large <laughs> banks. <laughs> and then um, then I, I uh, after after doing my my bank duties, I, I got into consulting and did application security consulting. Um, did a lot of mobile app, uh, web app, IoT type testing for for a couple uh, application security boutique firms. I guess you'd call them. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, now I work for Argo AI, which is a um, self-driving car firm based out of Pittsburgh. And uh, I get to do the, the hacker stuff here. So That's quite a road. I don't think I even knew you were an app person until, because like when I, I mean, I knew who you were, but then you showed up to like the B-sides, like what, it was like almost three years ago now, like this whole lock picking kit. And I was like, well, me, I did. I thought, I thought Kevin was a, a big AppSec person, like, you know, hacking apps all day. And he comes in with his like customized lock picking kit that like glowed and like had like flashy lights, like you're in a dance club. It was pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I got into lock picking completely, honestly. Um, my my great my wife's grandfather owned a hardware store in the South Hills of Pittsburgh, and when he passed, I got all of his you know bequeathed all of his 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 gear, and as I was going through his tools and, and trying to figure out what was what, he had just blanks and blanks and blanks of um, of keys and pins, ton of pins, and uh, so I was like, oh, locksmithing, you know, this is. 10 years ago or whatever, I was like, you know, young, young guy, a lot of my friends were buying houses or apartments, like learning how to locksmith. That's a, that's a good side hustle gig trade. So it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll do that. So if you've ever actually decomposed a lock, you'll know there's a lot of, a lot of small pins, a lot of springs. And as we've already mentioned, I'm usually hopped up on coffee. So it was like, (laughs) my hand was was shaking like, oh, like, oh, this, this may not be a good fit. Well, he also had some lock picking, uh, uh, lock picking gear. And so at the same time, I went to like a gun show or something and there was a guy selling lock picking stuff. I was like, hey, you know, I bought a DVD. I had never gone to an InfoSec conference. I was in InfoSec. I had never gone to an InfoSec con- conference note. Like this is a whole thing. So I actually completely got into this as a, as a side, like didn't know anything about it. And then I went to a conference, like a B-Sides or something. And I was like, oh shit, people do this. This is like a whole niche community. And then, then it was just buying as many locks as I could. And, and, and as I was consulting, you go, you know, to XYZ town in, in the breadbasket of America, there's not much to do after work. So you just go to the Myers, you know, store like, Oh, there's some locks here that are on clearance. So I would just, I would just, as I would travel around consulting, I would just buy a lock here, buy a lock there throughout my suitcase. And I do have, I have several, several of those big Rubbermaid tubs full of locks. Now it's a, it's a bit of an addiction. Wait, several. <laughs> my wife looking up. Yeah, several. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's. I mean, it's fun. I remember at DefCon 2008, 
I was with my buddy and it's the first time like I got to I, like I was in you know had a big boy job got to go out to Vegas and like I was like what is this lockpicking village like let's check it out i went in there and i was like this is amazing and i sat there until like i picked like a couple of standard master locks and then i was like then you got the handcuffs like back then that you could easily pick and i was locked in there i was like and i went did the same thing i bought a bunch of locks bought a kit like snuck it home on the airplane because apparently you weren't allowed to leave with it like they told you when i remember back then they told you when you bought it like yeah it's technically illegal for you to travel this and like you hide it in your suitcase and then I remember being in like Maryland when I was, you know, living down there and been like, okay, what are the laws for lock picking kits? Like, you know what I mean? And a lot of them was like, you have to be a private eye or a registered locksmith to have a lock picking kit and things like that. And I was like, yeah. Do either of you know why that's a thing with the InfoSec community? Because I don't. And uh, that, going out to I Black think- Hat the first time that I went in whatever 2000 ought, what, and seeing that was a huge surprise to me. I didn't know that that was a thing. I'll give my opinion, but I want to hear yours, Kevin, first, and then I'll. I think it's it's um, I think just like a physical man- manifestation of a puzzle. Uh, you know, something that you can you can physically crack, uh, bypass. You know, uh, authentication bypass without without having the key. And it's it's uh, for me, I enjoy it because it 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 really is that tactile like you. You, you do the thing and you, you get in and you you hear that shackle pop open or you 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 feel that uh, uh tension wrench uh you know crank and you're like yes i i, I got it. so that's that that was always my you know it could be the whole like red team aspect and and, and actually getting into restricted areas i don't know but i always thought of it like a, a physical manifestation of a puzzle I would agree with exactly that. And like, it's like, you know, that if the abstracted all the way up, it's like just the art of hacking, right? You're just hacking something to great. I mean, you've worded it way better than I would, but just to piggyback what you said, like that, I don't know if there's anything, uh, what is better than picking a lock and having it work. Like, I don't know if there's anything like I've ever done. I mean, maybe like when you solve like, you know, reverse engineer or something, or you, you, you crack that app or you find that, that that exploit or you know you get that reverse shell it's that same feeling that when that lock like you said that tension rents pops you're like oh my god this fucking worked i can't believe it i didn't like i didn't think i was gonna be able to do this because like you sit there and because then there's all the the whole stuff about like you know you can tell if locks are picked because they you get scratched and all that other stuff but like if you don't really care and you just sit there and fiddle with it for a little while but then you're like be more methodical about it and you feel the pins move and all of a sudden they lock in place and that tension you're like this you i mean i feel like in the moment you feel like it's kind of god it's like the god mode in, in doom right like that's how it felt you know what i mean indestructible for a moment i can i can wrap that back around that exact same feeling was the the feeling i got the first time i saw blind sql injection my buddy i was working working at a bank and my buddy um uh, showed me how to do blind SQL injection with burp and setting character by character, running through intruder and setting, uh, setting the, the, the character. So it would, you know, wait for a wait for B wait. And it was just like wheel of fortune. You were just waiting for that thing to go through. And it was letter by letter seeing blind SQL injection work and spelling out, you know, uh, uh, Microsoft SQL version, da, 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 and then it going through the schema. And that was, that was just like pure magic for me. When I saw that and saw letter by letter and you, you know, just, just going through, and that's the exact same feeling. I think that you just described with, with, with lock picking. It's like when, when that thing sets and you're like, it goes from just throwing it at a rake and 
go like this and, and, and it opens and you're like, oh, oh, that that worked, I guess. I don't know what the hell I did. And then when you actually do it right the, and, and, and you get that, you're like, wow, this is this is pretty, pretty crazy feeling. So yeah, that makes sense. Not not being, you know, a lock picker or, uh, or someone that's even looked at it one time to try. And, and you know, I, I can definitely relate when you when you're talking about like watching cybersecurity success happen because like you don't know what you're doing sometimes you're just kind of guessing and checking and like hoping crap works until until you get a shell and you're like oh oh man I, that thing worked and you're like yeah like okay well there's not like a physical thing there for me to like you know throw up in the air or chuck it a wall and be like take that because you know that's when you go tell your colleague you'll be like yeah I guess yeah and then my colleague's like oh that's cool what'd you do and you're like i don't know i got all these things to tell you about oh and you're like i don't really care just write it up and tell me about it later I think it's, I mean, I equate to some of the reverse engineering stuff. Like you're like, all right, I think I figured out how to like decode this stuff and print the strings out. And you're like, let me, let me just give this a whirl. And also you like run your script against the piece of malware and it's like, boom, plain text. You're like, it dumps it all out. Yeah. You're like, what? <laughs> then you're like, what did I even do? Like, cause you're, you know, you're, 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 you're I mean, we're all like hacking away. You're like, you're thinking like, oh, I gotta do this. I gotta do that. I'm writing the script and doing this and doing that. And the next thing you know, like you hit enter and it shit works. You're like, what? Yep. You have to think back. What did I do? I that's what I do. Like sometimes I'll, you get so deep in your rabbit hole of trying to figure out that problem, and then you get it to work, and you're like, okay. Thank God I keep history. You know, I opened it like ten thousand lines in Linux, right? So you can go back and just dump history and see what I did. Oh yeah, you made like fifty changes to a script before you actually ran it. And you're like, <laughs> I don't know which one of these actually worked because I was just trying to fix one thing. Yep. <laughs> like a whole bunch of different data popped out. <laughs> yep. Like, but like overall for like the whole community, like there has to be like some sort of like event or some sort of purse or someone that, that brought lock picking. I don't know. There's gotta be a history and I'll look into it. Maybe, maybe that's just like a, some sort of existential question of some sort, but like, it seems like everyone's into it out there. There are so many people that are just like selling lock pick stuff or like, just like Kyle said, the village is there. And like, it's not just you and like your buddies that are in the little club together in Pittsburgh. It's like the entire freaking community is into it. I think though, it, it does go back to that, like the physical nature of you could just sit down you know, there's, you know, there, there are the, the CTFs, but to actually be able to sit down and, and start into a CTF, which I don't even know, do they even have, you can't just walk into the DEFCON CTF uh, like you can, you know, at B-Sides and, and some of the other ones, right? So, I mean, I, but, yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah, but you can you can do that social engineering CTF. I think you can just true. walk up and do that one. And I remember there being handcuffs and sh shackles to pick. I don't think that was a CTF cow. Yeah, it was. I saw it at the last DerbyCon. <laughs> don't lie to me. But, but the, uh, <laughs> the, the, lock, the lock picking is definitely one that you can just sidle up to the table, kind of look over, what are you guys doing? Oh, here's here's an extra rake here, here's a tension wrench here. Hey, can you pass me that that uh, master lock and, and give it a shot? And almost guaranteed if you ask anybody, like, like Kyle, you've seen me, I'll just walk away from the table and besides Pittsburgh, I'll go present or I'll go do something. And then like an hour or two later, I come back and I'm I'm helping people. Like people will just help, every, everyone will just help the only thing I mean, is at the end of the, at the end of the day, I have to just shake out the locks and watch all the shavings fall out. Cause people are just like going, going ham on the locks. Like that, that one's never going to be quite right. Yeah. That's the, so you can like, you can like physically damage lock. I don't know anything about this. Like, so like the, the tools shave off or like the innards of the lock shake or both. 
the pit well both yeah i've definitely had to like extract tools where someone just like took a took a a, a tool and jammed it in and it just got stuck right sounds like my dad in construction work around the house <laughs> my, my dad used to do that stuff there's bits but, in my walls i know it <laughs> but uh no the the yeah there's there's the more um the more times a lock is picked the more the pins get get you know pushed in in, in both directions and the the springs will, will start to wear out but the like like kyle said there's like a whole forensic lock picking portion of the field which they can actually look and say oh well this lock was picked and this is the type of tool that was used or it was a novice or a professional based on the way that the that the uh, metal tools etched the the pins and the angle in which was it a was it a uh, um you know kinetic uh, bump key or a, 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 a pick gun or was it actual you know tool in which someone you know uh, manipulated the pins up and down, you know, in, in certain angles or whatnot. So, said a lot of words. I'm sorry, I'm, I got so, <laughs> I got so many questions. Like, do you guys try to like get better at it so that like you can forensically like I don't know defeat the forensics? Like, do you are you guys like trying to get to that point in lock picking? I, no? I, I not me. Uh, okay. I'm sure there are people who who that would be. That That's would not be a goal. goal. You're just trying to pop the lock and, and get rid. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But with that the more novice you are, the more you're going to use like raking instead of single pin picking. And you're going to, you're kind of just kind of, you know, try to force all the pins in, in different directions. You're, you don't really know what you're doing. So the more the pins start to kind of shave off. And like I said, like literally I've walked, I've walked away from days at, uh, at, at, uh, besides Pittsburgh specifically, cause that's where I, I bring my gear and you can shake the lock and you'll see shavings fall physically out of the lock because people are just, you know, they're, they're novice. They don't really, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, I, at first I thought it was like, when I first did it, I thought like back one, then second back one and whatever. But then I learned there's actually like a, a schema of like what ones need to be triggered in what order. So if there's like, you know, eight pins, it's not like, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like out. It's like a, you know, if this one needs to go first, then this one, then this one, right? You know, and I guess if you don't know what the key looks like, then you don't actually know which one's triggered for it. I don't know. It's fun. I'm I'm a novice. I just like it was exciting. I haven't done much, you know, uh, with it, but it's fun. And the way that the way that locks are machined, you know, cheap locks are machined, which are the vast majority of all locks that that any of us ever touch. Um, when you, when you turn the cam of a lock, it will naturally bind on, you know, most locks, most like, like quick set locks uh, that you see on, on residential houses, they, they have five or six pins. So when you turn the cam of a lock, it will naturally bind on one of those pins before the other ones, because the machining is just, it goes basically from the, 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 the least perfect to the most perfect. So when you turn the cam, and one of those binds, that's the first one that you you need to set. And it doesn't, it could be the, the, you know, the pin one or zero or pin six or any of them in between. So you kind of have to figure out which one binds first and then you set that pin and then you go to the next one. Now, most people, again, the vast, even people, you know, obviously there's a very small subsection of society who even knows locks can be picked and then has tried it. But even such a very small subsection of those folks actually do single pin picking. Usually it's just raking, right? You just put some tension, 
throw the pins up and down until something catches. And then eventually you can kind of brute force your way in. And that's, that's, that's the vast majority of, of what people do at cons and stuff like that. Has anybody at Argo AI ever asked you to break into a car and pick a lock inside of a car or on a car? Never, never. never. That is uh, very, very much, uh, I would say probably across the industry, um, in the in the uh, self-driving autonomous vehicle world, it's all all very much about safety, safety culture, right. uh, safety first. So yeah, that's uh, so. There's no locks on any of the doors, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> default. It's like a fireball. Default. Any. Any. Yeah. Star. Yeah, not, just wild card it. See that this I, is a, this is a great example of us going out. And like I don't think I was like, hey, what are some things you want to talk about, Gavin? And, not lock picking was not even on the list of things we were going to talk about. Then it happens. But you also run the uh, going back to AppSec stuff. What is the most exciting for you for AppSec? Like what it like nowadays? Now that you're you know seasoned professional, like what what excites you about doing it? Like because you know, it, and and the flip that are apps like really evolving that much? They are. Um... I, yeah, so I, I run OWASP Pittsburgh too. So if you happen to be in, in the Pittsburgh area, uh, come out to an OWASP meeting, although any in-person meeting type thing obviously is, is uh, TBD right now. But we, last, last month, what is, what is this month? February. Uh, in, in January, we had a, uh, a virtual meetup on um, TLS pinning and TLS pinning bypasses. And, and we walked through what is, what is TLS pinning and, and, and that fun stuff. So I don't know yeah, what TLS pinning uh, is. What is that? What is the TLDR on TLS pinning? TLS pinning is, uh, you know, TL certificates in general yeah. are, are uh, um, based in concept in public key infrastructure and, um, you know, CA certificate authorities and then leaf leaf nodes and then certificates, you know, there, there's a hierarchy and um, certificate pinning, which is made famous by, by Marley uh, or, uh, uh, Marlin Spike, uh, Moxie Marlin Spike. Marlin. Um, TLS pinning is basically the, this idea of you you get the CAs out of it. So you know in when you have mobile applications or thick client applications, you, you can actually pin to the serial number of the certificate or a set of certificates that you want the app to communicate to. So instead of having the trust in the certificate authority, which you know, browsers can have 400 certificate authorities that they mm -hmm. inherently trust. And then do you trust, um, you know, uh, DigiNoter uh, or did you trust whoever it was who, who's, who's breached around that same time? You know, Symantec is now not in the, in the CA game, but they used to be. Um, so, uh, you know, if you can, if you can, if you have a way, uh, which is usually a mobile application or a thick client application in which you can set the trust uh, outside of a, a certificate authority, you can basically pin to a certificate or a set of certificates. So that's it's really big in mobile. And what it does is it prevents you from being able to proxy the traffic because the idea of web proxies are basically you, you terminate the TLS in, in, in two places. So it goes from your browser to the proxy and then from your proxy to the website. So the website sees a, a, a TLS tunnel and your browser sees a TLS tunnel, but it's technically two, two separate pieces, two distinct pieces. Well, in mobile land, you can't, you know, a lot of people are, or a lot of uh, corporations are pinning certificates and 
that won't work. You can't just put any trusted CA in the middle and then terminate the traffic before it gets to the server. Because the server, the application, excuse me, is expecting a serial number per the server certificate. And if you just throw in a trusted, say, burp certificate, the application goes, wait a second, this isn't, this isn't what I was expecting. And it, and, and it borks. So um, yeah, TLS, TLS pinning, um, there's, of course, where there's a will, there's a way. There's a lot of ways that you can bypass TLS pinning. Um, and uh, that's a whole another story for, for, for another time. But yeah, so we, uh, that was our, our uh, last Pittsburgh OWASP meeting. But um, yeah, the uh, yeah, you know, it's it's always always an arms race. I think you know there was there was definitely a, a time which you know, when Let's Encrypt came out, everyone thought it was the death knell of of visibility uh, in inside of our networks, and everything was going to be encrypted. And I mean, for the reality, that's that is true. Like everything is encrypted now. It's 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 much more rare to see unencrypted traffic. Uh, you know. Um, outside of on the public internet and, and, and even in, in internal networks. But, um, you know, there's definitely fingerprints and things like you mentioned that, that you can, you can see the, the types of traffic or, or, uh, headers and, and different things that, uh, will, will help, will help you get in line. Um, yeah, so, so that's what, that's what I do, uh, OWASP Pittsburgh. And, uh, as far as your question regarding, the AppSec industry and where where things are going, um, you know what we're seeing a lot of is improvements by frameworks. Uh, so like the OWASP top ten or the the, the uh, you know top X techniques of of uh, web insecurities, if you will. Um, a lot of the older school, um, you know what we used to see a lot of, of vulnerabilities and threats. They are they have kind of been push to the side via the frameworks, which is fantastic. So like cross-site request forgery, that's not really a thing anymore. Um, a, because of frameworks have, have kind of put that out of, out of its misery and B, um, there's not as much reliance on cookies uh, with, with uh, uh, tokens and, and, and header authentication. Um, SQL injection at the app level is not as, as rampant as it once was specifically because of ORMs and frameworks that have, have made that much harder to do, um, much harder to mess up, I should say. And uh, same with uh, JavaScript languages that that uh, encode first, so you you see much less um, input validation errors like uh, cross-site scripting and things like that. So I mean, it's just, it's still it's just, is out it's there. It's just whack-a-mole, right? Because like we have yeah. the same problem. Not you know, not being a, a an app developer or anything, but like you you just see it in infosec like with malware. So as, as a malware analyst, you just see like one thing gets fixed, and then it's just whack-a-mole somewhere else. And you're just yeah. trying to like it's like I mean like working about you know thinking about patching like patching software like oh yeah we, we totally fixed that. Well, you didn't fix the next thing, so then they go after that and like okay we fixed that one. And then that fix undid some other fix. And then, you know, it's just, it's just this terrible circle of uh, pain. So that's, that's OWASP still on that cycle of like updating it. Like I know the top 10 shifts and it, I think last update was 2019. Am I right? 2017? 2017. Yep. Uh, my buddy, Brian Glass, uh, who I've worked with at a, at a couple different places. He uh, he's one of the, the folks on the top 10 committee. Everything with OWASP is, is a committee or, or project or board or, you know, that's uh nonprofit life. And uh, Brian is, is currently, um, he's, he's, a, he's a, a data magician. Um, 
which which in, in reality is is probably a lot of spreadsheets uh knowing knowing brian but uh he he's currently doing the um i think maybe the call for data ended so the big thing about the top 10 2017 edition which if if, if you're not aware there was a OWASP top 10 2003 2007 2010 2013 and 2017 they've kind of been getting Less, less and less close together. Uh, and now 2021 will be the, 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 the new one, I believe. But um, the 2017 edition of the OWASP top 10 was the most data-driven from the community. So they reached out to a lot of AppSec shops and a lot of uh, tool scanners and things like that and, and just really tried to dive into what, what are we seeing and not like finger in the wind, like, oh yeah, we're hearing a lot about this SQL injection thing. So that's going to be number one versus number three or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that is still a thing that's, that's being, being currently uh, um, revised and, and should be released this year. How do you, how does someone like track all that stuff? Like what, so I guess, I guess like who, who is in charge of like aggregating all the information for like the top problems for like AppSec? Like where, where does, where does that all go? Like who, who manages that situation? So I know, um, like specifically for the OWASP top 10, uh, so OWASP Open Web Application Security Project, uh, nonprofit group, um, they, uh, the, the idea behind the data-driven portion of the OWASP top 10, like I said, was basically that the, the previous ones were just, you know, we see a lot of this and we, okay. we specifically being the project owners uh, or the, sure. the, the, the committee who's, who was working on them. As of 2017, it was like, this isn't, this isn't really going to float in today's uh, statistical driven way we do this. So they, they put out a call for data, said you can, you can anonymize it, you can you know, uh, give us a subset of your data, whatever data you feel like giving us, uh, we'll take that and we'll, we'll try to come up with a better okay. way of, of, of doing that. That makes sense. I didn't know if there was like a, a national agency that was, that was kind of in charge of like helping you know, like, like NIST, if, if NIST was involved as, as far as like, I don't know, kind of providing guidelines to the industry or not. I mean, I'm sure they don't, but you know, maybe one thing I would, one thing I would say the hard part about app security and anything that, that like CVEs, CWEs, uh, CVSS driven is that you can't trust that, especially today, it's actually gotten far worse than it ever was as far as CVE data. Another, another, um, buddy of mine, Jerry Gamblin, uh, has been doing some work in, in, in CVE land lately and just charting things over time and looking at, at, at the progression of that. And, uh, you know, especially with bug bounties and, and, and the, um, the heightened drive to compete in that, in that area, in that space and, 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 you know, get, get CVEs named and, and accredited to you and whatnot. It, the, the numbers have just absolutely exploded. So mm -hmm. you can't trust that. You can't trust, uh, you know, source overflow or, or GitHub issues or, or, you know, those kinds of things. A lot of bug bounties um, have really emerged since 2017. So really you have to, you have to find a place to source that data. And that's really just relying on folks who will respond to your call for, for data. Yeah, right. But there's no community, like there's the, other than like the, the nonprofit, there's no just like, I don't know, no industry person that's, that's just driving this for everybody. Yeah, is there like a leader in AppSec and like, you know, the vendor world or is like everybody just kind of do it now? 
So I can say that that I believe, and and Brian would be be a good one to correct me when I'm when I'm wrong. I'll have to follow up with him uh, after this. I believe that some of the big tooling vendors did supply data for the last data data call. So your you know you think about your your SAST or DAST tooling vendors like your Veracodes, your um, Synopsys, your uh, um, you know. HP and 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 those uh, you know big firms that that have big um, static code analysis, dynamic code analysis, like they are, I believe they were part of the the, the data, but there isn't like any real, like I said, other than CVEs and CVSSs, which are just so not CVSS, but CVEs uh, or CWs, it's just so bloated as far as the actual data that's that's coming in, that's that's driven by the those scoring systems and and tracking systems, so it's it's it you really need a normalization layer on top of that, which is the only one that I know about is, is, is the, the, the work by the OWASP folks. Yeah, fair enough. That's good. How did, so how did you like, uh, I'm looking at OWASP Pittsburgh and I see that you're like, I don't know, you're the leader, right? How, how do you get to be the leader? Like what, yeah, this, was, it, was it a nominated position? Did you volunteer <laughs> your, yourself to be sacrificed in front of these people? Like how did, how did this happen? Yeah, I, um, I'm kind of in trouble right now, actually. I am there. There are not supposed to be any chapters that have sole leaders, even though I've been doing this for four years now. Um, as 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 I, I got a, a king of his email. own castle. It's okay <laughs> to share. Like you don't have to, probably, but you know. No, 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 no. So um, <laughs> no, it's it's funny because I actually have a call out, and I said it on our last meeting. Like, hey, I I, I I'm actually have to have a a co leader in this space. A co, you know, a, a series of leaders. However, we we want to structure this thing, um, and it, it, that's actually just to do with like I shouldn't be approving my own budget or my own uh, uh, chapter funds and, and stuff like go. that. So that's that 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 that's all that. I actually got into OWASP um, while working at uh, you know one of my infosec jobs, and and uh, you know I, I was volunteered by my manager I think at the time, and she was like, hey, can you just run this wiki thing for us? Like this is it was built on like media wiki or you know wiki format, and can you just like keep that stuff up to date? Maybe do some social media stuff, and then people move on. And like, oh, oh, well, now can you take over this part of OWASP? Yeah. Like, like actually scheduling the people to come in and talk. And oh, now can you take? And then all of a sudden, I looked around and like I'm the only one left. <laughs> Everyone else is kind of so. Yeah, it, wasn't, uh, it sounds like me at work. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> left. It was less of a can somebody step forward more like everyone else stepped back and I was the only one still still standing at the line sort of thing but I I, I do very much enjoy OWASP uh like what 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 uh the organization is trying to strive for and achieve and specifically the Pittsburgh OWASP group and some of the some of the fun meetups we've had and, and what what uh you know yeah for sure you must I mean you must be into it if you're you know volunteering your time I guess or like you know uh being the leader of the OWASP chapter by yourself, like you don't just kind of accidentally get into that sort of role in that situation. Like, I don't know. For me, I wouldn't want to just a meeting. Be... Yeah, like I'm we late. We have a quorum here. <laughs> a quorum. <laughs> Anybody in favor, say aye. Kevin, yeah. that's, that's a majority. <laughs> I, 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 I'm surprised just, you don't have more sorry. people want to jump on it in, in Pittsburgh. I feel like we have a decent AppSec community here. Like, there's I a, lot a lot of people, people in the group. Like, like, I mean, people, a lot of people at CERT do like AppSec stuff. So I'm surprised there's not a lot of people jumping on that. 
but I, I definitely have had people reach out to me to be to, to be fair and i've just been so busy as as uh uh everyone else is that that um i actually have a call scheduled next week to talk to somebody who who would like to step up and cool um yeah so i i definitely have some takers um but yeah i've just my buddy john ziola who runs steel city uh infosec um he he kind of was pushing me forward as far as like, Hey, you know, we got this whole hacking side of the thing, but, but, uh, you know, people really like a wasp. It used to be lunchtime in the middle of downtown Pittsburgh. You'd get the same, like, you know, 50 people showing up for their, their, uh, continuing education credits and uh, free lunch. And mm, that wasn't, really that wasn't me. I wasn't a, uh, a middle of the day banker type uh, uh, OWASP group. So I, I kind of moved things out to after hours, uh, moved it outside of downtown so I could get some people who, who you know, weren't working downtown, didn't want to just kind of sit there and sleep through lunch and listen to the same rotation of speakers from the other InfoSec groups. So it's been, it's been a good few years that I, since I've, I've taken over it and uh, we've, we've had a lot of, of, of fun, but it would be good to have a, a second, a second chair or second in command to, to help drum up new speakers and uh, yeah, for sure. you know, keep me honest. <laughs> I mean, as podcast hosts, I understand the, like, even you can ask, I've asked, I probably just my people we've asked to do it. We've had just my people say, yeah, not right now. And then it's like, okay, like, you know, unfortunately, like I want everybody to be on here. Right. But like, when you say not right now, I have to bump you to the bottom of the list and like keep going down. Right. And I will get back to you, you know, and I want you to be on, but like, when you say no, not right now, like I have to like go on and like, you know, I'm trying to get, you know, I, we schedule at least a month or, you know, at least two months out because it's get on our calendars, get on everybody's calendars. Right. I feel like in this day and age of all everybody working from home, I feel like a lot of us work more than we actually expected. And I think it is, I mean, I, at least I find I do, right. It's so much easier to grab. You don't go anywhere. You leave, you go to your kitchen to grab something you eat for 10, 15 minutes. It's not like you shoot the shit with anybody, you know, maybe your wife <laughs> your or, your kids or whatever, you walk back to your, own, your desk and you keep going. Right. So like, you know, I'm not a smoker or anything like that. So I'm not taking smoke breaks and all these other things that people might have taken back in the day. So like you sit at your desk for, you know, eight plus hours. You at know, least you still get probably. paid to poop at work. Still that. Yeah. You still get paid to poop. I mean, <laughs> you know, it definitely i mean this, on that same topic i've definitely felt the zoom fatigue I, I i know like right right when things started closing up last march you know a lot of the conferences that were scheduled in april may time frame you know the idea of a fully virtual oh, conference was was novel and like oh yeah we'll, we'll, we'll do that yeah okay. you know some people were even you know adopting vr and other stuff and it's really tough for me to get amped up for that anymore. To, I don't, to, to, I mean, just to piggyback you and we've talked about this in other podcasts. Wait, it was the last podcast, right? Well, it's the, every podcast. We, we always come back to this. Like we, we, I think we're all at the state and point in time. I, I'm going to bend everybody in the same bucket that we want to see each other. We want to be able to network with each other outside of our own homes. We're on zoom calls all day teams, whatever you use, hopefully you don't use WebEx or Adobe <laughs> WebEx. But like, it's just like, you know, you have half people turn on the cameras, half people don't turn on the cameras. Like, so you're like the people that don't turn on the cameras, you might as well just call in because you don't feel like you're connecting with them. And I'm in that. And I'd say in a third of the meetings I'm in, I don't turn on my cameras. 
where I, you know, at Drago's, we have a camera on policy if you can. Right. So like you at least get to connect with and see someone human being for a moment. Right. Besides your wife and your kids and your significant others and all that stuff. But yeah, there is that, I, I can see it now and you've, you know, probably done it more than, you know, cause I only just transitioned a few months ago, but it is, it's just a, it's a, it's a, like you have this hope that in the fall you keep hearing about things that are in person and you're like, Oh yes, please. And then you're like, you know, I'm going to take a week, even though the conference is like three days, right? Like, you know, just to hang out and just go somewhere else besides, I mean, I haven't been anywhere. A few people have traveled here and there and I know friends have traveled here and there, but I have actually left Pittsburgh in close in a year. Same. Ohio. I, I've gone to Ohio. Right. But like, that doesn't count. <laughs> I, my family member just, just reminded me that, uh, these airplane credits that a lot of us had to get because we had to cancel uh, travel. Yeah. I, I have a very significant international credit uh, at work. I yeah. don't know if that's still hanging out there or not. I should probably, uh, I mean, I year. United and uh, uh, what is the word said yes to all that stuff. Like they kept all of it. I had a credit from 2019, I think. You know that we or what is it 2020? We're somewhere we were supposed to go somewhere. It was 2019 that we did or something. I still have a credit from that, and then like I have all my miles. They honored that's the word I was looking for honored. They honored all my miles too. So, like, I still have I carry the staffs. I wish I had, but you're just you know, your miles just keep tacking up. I have like what people that travel internationally like twice a week have right now in miles because, like, well, I guess that's what I have. So, just I look forward there. to the day of taking round trip flights first class for like 25k miles <laughs> dude i can't wait well, yeah I we, I, we definitely talked about this with justin forbes last week or two weeks ago whatever it was and just like we're all like the, the virtual conference is just like okay yeah just just like you said kevin it's just i'm done it don't want to do it anymore i want to go to a bar i want to see you guys in a bar i want to drink drinks with you or not drink drinks with you drink, drink coffee I, that's fine don't matter what you drink, drink a white russian i don't, I don't care shit. you can drink water i just want to get out i want to go do stuff yeah i think i mean i look forward to those I, I mean i hope you know as the vaccines roll out things change a little bit and we get to get out and slowly roll out things and if things hell i'll come if you have an OWASP thing that's like half virtual half i'll, I'll probably just come just because i'll just come yeah i just want to be i'll fill that bar like, up for you yeah let's go wherever you know i just you know i every conference organizer i think is, is feeling this now especially those who are, this is now going to be their second second possible virtual one if they didn't cancel it last time and it's like how you know i know i i spoke at owa or uh, OWASP, i spoke at uh b-sides orlando and it was it was scheduled for april and it got pushed to the fall and then um it was virtual, virtual in the fall. And uh, I, I don't think that there was even discussion of it this year yet, as far as like what that's going to look like, or, yeah. or, you know, this would be well into CFP time slash planning time. Uh, you know, and I know the same thing with, with besides Pittsburgh, the, the guys are, are figuring out what that's going to look like this year. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can't, I can't imagine going through this a second time, like some of these, these uh, big conferences and organizers are, are, are going through. It's, it's like, a, you can, you can kind of grin and bear it one year or maybe postpone it one year. But when you're looking at that year two, you're just like, Oh man, what's, what's this even, what's this where's, even the, where's the end? Right. Like, will will it be, like, you started to hear, like, I remember like when this all started and we were in midterms last year at the campus, it was like, Hey, 
uh you know i heard 2022 before things get back to normal i was like no 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 wait a minute 10 days right they told me 10 days and then you're like well i can maybe see six weeks right maybe maybe we'll get back six weeks and then like hmm, it spills into summer and it goes into the fall and then it's you know, all of a sudden it's 2021 man we're already three months in like like well, there's only nine more months for this whole year and then we're in 2022 we may as well just get to 2022 just get me to the end that's all i want to get i gave one of my guys shit the other day we were we uh um you know had an incident we, we do these technical incident reports and then we do uh you know post more meetings every month to kind of go you know and i was going through some of the old ones from last spring and uh he had written in due to the due to the work from home situation or something like that like that was a really good way to earmark this period of time uh-huh. because it was only like three weeks in and it was like oh you thought that was going to be a little cheeky way <laughs> yeah. of, of like oh everyone will know exactly what i was talking about when i said that like no buddy that was not not quite the time box that you thought you were putting around that statement there. oh that's so sad I mean, I, I, I mean, at this rate, I hear the fall. Some people are saying like in-person conferences are half and half. I mean, we can only hope. But at this point in time, I guess I'm just putting my, you know, my eggs into the basket of 2022, and that's okay. I guess that's. Dude, I'm trying to be in the first half of like anybody that's signing up for anything. Can you imagine the swell of people that's going to like try to want to be in person for some of these? Like, how many tickets like- you're not going to be able to sell? because yeah. it's, it's gonna sell out like instantly it's, it's gonna be like, schmoocon everywhere yeah it's gonna be schmoocon everywhere and, and DerbyCon everywhere get your <laughs> get bots it. go get a bot right now everybody start pl- playing your bots and i need some shoe bots kyle hook me up with some shoe bots there are some shoe bots out there man. Just, you want to split one speaking Just... of AppSec, like that was a uh, thing i looked into for a while right like using shoe bots to get tennis <laughs> shoes quicker than everybody else Need them shoe bots. Anyway, man. Well, I mean, we're at that. See, great, I mean, see, like we're already like well always happens. It, we were talk about lock picking. Yeah, it, it, it was. I I would enjoy it, and like that wasn't even something we were going to talk about. So I mean, that was great. I mean, anything you want to plug here toward the end that we didn't get to? Anything you want to you know throw out there and just say a couple things about? Anything you you like, miss, love? No, I'd say if, if you are interested in, in AppSec, um, I don't mean to, to, to plug a different podcast on this this glorious podcast. Oh, but, please. Uh, plug away. I have, I have a couple of good friends, um, uh, Ken and Seth. They they run the Absolute AppSec podcast. Um, I've been on it a few times in the in the early days of that podcast as, as well. But um if you're if you're interested in, in AppSec, those guys have a lot of really good, a lot of really good AppSec um uh, professionals and and uh you know they, they get to the root of a lot of good stuff so yeah if you're interested in in uh shaking it up um that's that's definitely a good podcast for for those who are, are looking to dip their their toe into appsec cool what's another way people can get into it i mean like learning a burp suite nowadays is that something that's fruitful you know like are pivoting off of OWASP top 10 right like understand what that actually means what those actually mean i know it's been updated this year but like i feel like yeah when i was doing some appsec stuff i feel like i always went referred back to OWASP top 10 
yeah, OWASP is definitely um, is, is is definitely great yeah, when it comes to to like the cheat sheets and, and knowing they they have basically developer cheat sheets uh, and then hacking cheat sheets for basically anything. So if you want like cross site scripting, okay, well, what are cross site scripting payloads? There's a cross site scripting cheat sheet. Well, is there's also the counterpart to that, which is the cross site. Uh, scripting prevention cheat sheet, right? So there's basically one on, on each side of the house uh, for SQL injection, cross-site scripting, command injection, LFI, RFI, all that stuff. Um, but uh, you mentioned Burp Suite. I, I, you know, there's there's the OWASP project, which is the Z Attack proxy Zap. Um, I've I've been in living, breathing Burp Suite uh, for so long in my career that it's it's like my um, my Leatherman, right? Like, yeah, I, Swiss Army knives are great. That Swiss Army knife is, is, is awesome, but I use my Leatherman every day. So that's kind of where I gravitate towards. Uh, you know, it's, it's got my, uh, my, uh, handprint around it. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a burp sweet person. I, I, I live and breathe it. It's come a long way. If you haven't used burp sweet proxy in the last couple of years, uh, they've really been putting a lot of, of development effort into it. It's got a fully embedded Chromium browser in it now. So you don't even have to configure your browser for intercept mode and install CAs and all that jazz. You just literally click the button. It'll open up its own version of Chromium. Everything's already hooked into, into Burp. You browse whatever you want in, in that thing and, and uh, you're off and running in you know, under 30 seconds. Um, so uh, yeah, definitely would recommend if you haven't used Burp Suite to, to take a look at that, look at the OWASP cheat sheets. And honestly, I mean, the other big thing is with bug bounty culture, a lot of the bigger bug bounty providers uh, or, or players in that game um, that have open disclosures, just read through those, read through the open disclosures that have to do with web vulns, you know, insecure direct object references or, or broken authentication mechanisms and that stuff. And just being able to put the pieces together of how that person got paid out, you know, five digits or whatever, it really, it's, it, it's a good way to kind of, you know, uh, start, start understanding the the AppSec world. And, you know, the only thing is it, it may make it look more glamorous because you're not going to get paid probably five figures ever on a bug bounty. Those are definitely lightning, lightning striking one sort of things. There are very few people who, who get those kinds of payouts, but it's definitely a way of, um, you know, looking at real world consequences of, of uh, AppSec, you know, issues and whatnot. So are you raising your hand? No, I was trying to, I was unmuting my mic. I, uh, you know, I was just coming up there. I, I was just going to say also to, you know, because I was on meeting my mic, you talk about that, that lightning strike, like that hit the, you know, strike it rich moment for, uh, you know, bug bounties. Uh, it just came across my, my timeline today that the, uh, like the Cansec West, uh, the pwn to own was looking for like a uh, Chrome exploit that also would work on Chromium and they would pay like $125,000 for it. Like that is insane. That's an insane amount of money to sit there and, and, you know, fuzz an app or like, build an exploit i can't even imagine like running one of these programs uh and, and trying to figure out you know how much money we can provide to somebody that's running script kitty stuff maybe even you know and they to, have time limits to, break to do something. it so if you come to the table and i know this because dina was involved in, it in their past uh job before what she's in now and listen to again dark Knight diaries is like when you show up to those things and you're like i have that I have a, a exploit for that, you know, that situation. They have like what a five minute timeline yeah. to execute it and then show everybody that it's actually working. 
So it's, it's crazy. pretty wild, man. And talk about like stress on the keyboard. You know, you ever you ever type and try it? Someone's looking over your shoulder, or someone's trying to get you to type, and you can't even like write your name right. We'll also think like if you have a one month notice or like a two or three month notice, and like you're just you don't know either unemployed or like you just that's what you like to do in your free time instead of playing Fortnite, you just get go home and bang on on Chrome whatever version it is, and you're just trying to make one hundred twenty five thousand dollars, and you're just working on this thing for ninety straight days to try to just make a buck that's insane i would say that the the cool thing about appsec is that it's usually much more micro than that so like when you when you talk about like sandbox escaping or or uh you know rop bypasses and, and aslr and those things those usually take a, a very sophisticated understanding of how those things work and fuzzing and, and whatnot with appsec it could literally just be oh uh, you know, no one thought about trying to remove that cookie and hitting that directory and, you know, using, using the string, uh, in the, in the, uh, the URL, or, I mean, there's been some really huge bug bounties paid out for just like really kind of unsophisticated, uh, brute, you know, directory browsing or, or, oh, yeah. uh, you know, so that's, that is Absolutely. one thing I'd say about dipping your toe in, the bug bounty market specifically for the AppSec world or the mobile world, it's, it's not a huge barrier to entry, uh, you know, to, to, to get into that. And people have made, I, I personally, I've done, I think one bug bounty ever in the, in the, in, in my history. Cause I mean, I do it for work and usually it's, it's client, you know, when I was uh -huh. consulting with client stuff, when I, when I do it for work here, it's, it's, it's work stuff, but I did do one. I submitted it to Google and, um, it was a it was a uh, bad Chrome extension, uh, and uh, I actually got it through through like uh, regular channels, and then I, I I started reverse engineering and figured it out. And Google was awesome. They, it was right after they they opened that up that Chrome extensions qualify now, even if they're not from Google, if they have impacts on the greater ecosystem. And Google was able to to take my bug bounty and then run it against all other Chrome extensions. And they found a bunch of Chrome extensions that were malicious wow, yeah. in this way. And uh, they, they gave me like a multiplier. I mean, it was a couple thousand, uh, but uh, total with the multiplier. But, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was the only one I've ever done and actually gotten paid out for. So I was going to give you the smart antsy answer of like, just kind of like, oh, I bet you they play, paid you handsomely for your, you know. Hey, you got that five uh, digit payout. <laughs> <laughs> no, still, that's good though right that's like you know you get something and, and it's, it kind of gives incentive to the community to like improve uh, security for everybody else and uh, the piggyback on that all like and not to put you on the spot kevin but like if you had a tldr like if you want to get an appsec here are the things that you should start out with right like if you were going to teach i mean i don't know if you teach actually an appsec course but like if you were teaching appsec intro to appsec course and people are listening hopefully they listen this far in you get a free glass if you listen this far in uh uh where what did what should they start out with right i feel like for me when i was doing a little bit of appsec and that the the exploit dev world like to me it was so it was so much more vast than malware analysis that it was like hard for me to wrap my head around uh as you know as someone that was into their careers and not knowing exactly what where i should pivot where do you think people should what do you have suggestions on where they should start? Like what makes them, you know, I mean, we don't even be like, well, you need a CS degree and six masters to do this, right? 
I think I think to be successful in AppSec, knowing how and why apps work uh, is, is is definitely good. You know, there's a lot of purposely vulnerable web applications out there, whether it's the damn vulnerable web application or OWASP actually. Um, Bjorn, uh, I can never say his last name. He uh, He's the creator of Juice Shop. If you've ever used Juice Shop, it's a purposely vulnerable JavaScript first, API first application. It's a free app on, on Heroku, uh, uh, free tier. You just literally click a button. You sign up for Heroku, click a button, and you have your own version running running in the cloud that you're you're able to hack against as long as you're not you know doing uh, absolutely absurd things. Heroku will allow <laughs> you to 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 have your 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 own thing. You never even have to touch a line of code or do anything, and you got a you got a vulnerable web application going that you can brute force all day long and. Like I said, as long as you're not like running malware out of it, they're not gonna they're not gonna be be pissed at you. But it's open source, obviously, so you have the source code on GitHub, and then you have the application running, so you can see once you find a vol, where did that vol manifest itself? How how you know how can you see see both sides of it? So yeah, I'd, I'd say just actually starting to hack on these things, find a vulnerable web uh, application that you know whether it's the you know. I'm sure there's Go apps now that that uh, or Django apps or or um, you know Juice Shop or there's some older older school ones like uh, um, you know Java based and, and whatnot. So find a language that you're familiar with at least very high level. Get a proxy set up, start hacking on it, um, and then you know look at the concepts of of like the OWASP top ten and understand like what are the the the, the primary factors in in the AppSec world, and then just keep going down, you know, further and further into the, into that rabbit hole. But it's, in my opinion, it's not, especially today with as, as many um, kind of launch first in the cloud uh, frameworks that there are to, to, to get you started. It's, it's, it's actually not too, too bad to get started in, in AppSec. Uh, coming from a pro, I don't have much more to say on that. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing to follow on when, uh, you know, someone knows their stuff. Like, what do you, Thank you. And so about that. <laughs> Thank you for being so thorough and smart and, uh, you know, knowing stuff. I mean, it's been, it's been great having you on Kevin. Uh, obviously I won't delete this cause I haven't been deleted, but don't go anywhere. I'm going to hit stop here soon. But like, if people want to reach out to you, how do you want them to get a hold of you? Uh, what's the best Avenue of, and I will tag all this in the, in, in the show notes and yeah. Intern so, Jimmy, uh, who got promoted apparently recently to no, it's intern Jimmy. Intern Jimmy will tweet it out on the Moscow Mules and Op Slides uh, Twitter. That's Mules ninety ninety ninety. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm Kev Cody on Twitter. Um, Kev Cody on, on a lot of platforms. I am Kev Cody on Instagram, although I'm I'm private because there's a Kev Cody underscore who is a um, a rapper in the Netherlands, and I oh, get shit. a lot of his missed tags. And it's like, uh, oh, it's, that's great. It's, it's uh, a lot of Afrikaans and a lot of, of, of things that I should not be associated with. And they, they mistag him for me. And uh, so, yeah, I, I am private on, on, on Instagram, but pretty much every other platform uh, you can, you can reach him. It's Kev Cody. Um, and uh, it's Kevin.Cody at OWASP.org if you're interested from the, the, the OWASP side of the house. But yeah. I'm always around. Uh, buy me a cup of coffee uh, if you if you see me anywhere. I'm happy to talk. <laughs> happy to talk talk. Uh, AppSec, uh, lock picking, um, self driving cars. Uh, I do a lot of IoT hacking. So uh, we didn't didn't even Sweet. really get get a chance to talk oh, about that. Any, I would have loved to talk about that. Yeah, blue, blue well, you have to come back. All the other stuff you're getting into, we didn't even touch on that. 
I blame lock picking, lock, lock picking, picking, lock, lock picking, picking and uh, uh, flavored coffee. Yeah. Um, we'll come back sometime and talk about IoT security because I have a lot of opinions and thoughts. And you maybe know, we'll even uh, do one day we'll do a Moscow Mules and Upside OWASP edition. I don't know. That sounds great. In person. In person, you know. One at day. the thing. At the thing I you can do. Really hope. That sounds great. <laughs> uh, hey, oh, just before we wrap up, are you afraid of self driving cars? Because I am. Am I? Yeah. No. Um, so I, I work, I work, I am not here on behalf of my company, but I work for a company who uh, is partnered up with Ford and Volkswagen. And uh, um, I can tell you that, that my company and the companies that I've had the chance to talk to or interface with, they are very safety conscious, very, very, um, you know, safety culture is number one culture, doing this the right way, not, not taking shortcuts and that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm not, I am afraid of there is a, a, a enthusiast community uh, in, in, in the Teslas as well as, as um, uh, comma AI, if you're, if you're familiar with those, not to disparage anybody, but there's enthusiasts out there who are trying to do this today, um, like on their own with smartphone cameras or, or, or uh, uh, ADAS uh, um, uh, sensors on their vehicles that were not meant for full self-driving. And I am scared of that. I am scared of folks who are rushing into this without the proper understanding and, and, and whatnot. But no, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I think, I think the folks who are doing it the right way, I think we're, we'll, we'll get there. It's not going to be everywhere ubiquitous from day one. I think there will be definitely routes, cities, uh, road by road that we'll, we'll start to see this, this, this taken on. I'm just scared. I, I'm afraid. I can tell you this, the sensors on the vehicles, when they, when you do it right, they are, more aware and cognizant than any driver can be, right? Because there's 12 cameras, several LIDARs, radars, microphones. I mean, people, yeah, people are, are, are amazing beings that have sensors that, 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 you know, technology can't match today, but also people aren't paying attention 24 seven when these, when these things are. That's a good are. point. Yeah. Good point. So there's been some things, some wild things and not, not even from where I work, but looking at the other competitors in the industry, these cars have been able to do some really, really, uh, you know, wild things that, that, uh, most, you know, especially with, with, uh, people looking at their phones all the time, people just aren't paying attention. And these, these vehicles are, and they're, 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 uh, you know, they have, they have eyes, you know, many, many yeah. more eyes than we do. So. I think there was a, a picture of somebody driving up uh, 28 here in Pittsburgh in a Tesla, like sl either sleeping or like reading a newspaper. I mean, which is what you're not supposed to be doing, right? Even if it's in self, self-driving autopilot mode, whatever Tesla calls it, you're supposed to be like ready to go in case like something goes wrong, right? I mean, there's a, there's a great meme that I've come out on my Instagram holes that like we, I know we all can attest to, which actually highlights why these self-driving cars are probably doing it better. It was like, have you ever been driving and then realized you were driving <laughs> <laughs> where you're like, you know, you're driving you're like, Oh shit, I'm driving. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you get on the long turnpike drives and you know, you zone. I mean, I, we, I'll be kind of saying like, there's a period of times where like you drive on the turnpike and then like 10 minutes go by and you're like, I don't remember the last 10 minutes at all. You know? Yeah. I, I used to have an hour commute and I, I lived north of Pittsburgh and I used to, it used to be a good hour, hour and 15 minute commute uh, down to, to the city every day before I, I moved down here. And uh, there has been times where I would come down 
come down the the interstate and then i finally get to to uh the um north side of pittsburgh where i would get off to, to go to work and i would pull up to the stop sign and i would put my easy pass up like i was going through the easy pass lane like i was i was like no i'm 30 minutes past that this is not this is not the easy pass this no is bro sign. not even close <laughs> that's a stop like, sign it, <laughs> it is mean, it is yeah. Sorry. no go ahead it is wild that you can kind of just completely zone out be there do sophisticated driving activities but be not completely present where you know that that uh that, that, that i would say again that that is something good about these these sensors is that that they may not be able to replicate people 100 percent. there's very the big thing about self-driving and all the firms will say this isn't specifically my company or, or anyone else's company is that if other drivers other human drivers weren't on the road today this problem would be solved it's the crazy shit that everybody else does on the oh, road for sure the yeah. completely unexplainable crazy things that you have to account for including pedestrians and yeah wild animals and all that well, that, so that was pretty much like has, one of the wildlife has that... to be the biggest crux in the, all of it right like i mean it has to be right you're driving down the road a deer jumps out in front of you what's a autonomous vehicle do you know self-driving vehicle do you know plow through shift lanes like what if a car is next to you and your blind spot like i don't know and i'll expect you to answer i'm just hypothetically thinking that that's you know the only time i think about things cow doesn't think at all <laughs> i don't think at all it's, i just it's, don't it's, want it to end up into like a situation like i robot with will smith where like the robot jumps into the water and he's like well gotta save one i calculate the chance and it's like this one's gonna live better i don't know you don't, I no, don't know no let's man. be fair they do that in war i have buddies that have been you know in in the battles and you know given blood types uh if you have a rare blood type they will say can't save you will go on because you have such a rare blood type so that shit already happens it's just a risk averse it's just a human doing it it makes me feel better that was left behind by somebody i can be angry at for real (laughs) i would say the the trolley problems if you will uh that you guys are you know referencing you know does the does the the car swerve to miss granny if it's going to plow into a, a, a school zone or, or, you know, does it, does it uh, try to save this person versus that person? Those are absolutely interesting thought provoking scenarios, but to be, you know, very transparent, it's just like, you know, you have to worry about the other 99% of things that like you do encounter on the road every day. And, you know, the, the whole AI machine learning, all that stuff, you really just focus on like, you know, normal driving scenarios, bicyclists, uh, you know, what, how soon uh, you can identify some uh, anomaly of uh, animal, whatever it is. And then how soon can you put the brakes on to try to avoid it? So like, yeah, those problems that you guys are speaking of may absolutely one day be problems that people are, are, are thinking about in the space, but that's not today. It's, it's really like 99% of things that actually, you know, happen. And, you know, but I, I've seen some really cool, really cool stuff that, like I said, human drivers um, wouldn't have seen what would have missed uh, or, you know, as we, we all know, maybe it would not have been paying attention at all because they'd be on their phone or playing, you know, whatever uh, space invaders on their Tesla uh, head unit. <laughs> 
I mean, I'm satisfied. Uh, Kevin, I appreciate it. Uh, it's been a great, and we went like again, 60 some tangents. Uh, and I appreciate your time. And as we like to end every podcast, stay thirsty, everybody. <laughs>